Well, what Sunday is it? It is sixth Sunday in ordinary time, right? It's Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. So here we are, a little earlier than normal. Um, Super Bowl is a great examination of American culture in its excesses and in its religiosity. Okay, so excesses, let me just throw this out to you. The average cost of a 30-second Super Bowl ad today is $6.5 million. Okay, so that's a lot of money, but let me break it down even further. That means for every second of a Super Bowl ad, it costs $216,667. Every second. So let me break it down even further. Carroll College students on average pay after scholarships about 20 grand a year. So every second of a Super Bowl commercial, 10 of you have your tuition for the year paid for. Just think about that. Isn't that insane, right? That's a lot of money. SoFi Stadium, which I love architecture. That thing is fascinating to me. But it costs $5.5 billion. $5.5 billion. It's the most expensive sporting venue in the world. And in terms of if anyone's been to an NFL game, I never have, but if anyone's been, okay, great. The next ex most expensive one is the one they built in Vegas, not surprising, but it was $1.9 billion. So $5.5 billion stadium. And, and this is where that's excessive, okay? Let's just be honest. The, the, the TV screen that they have is larger than the football field, okay? It's crazy, like watch it, okay? So that's the excess. Here's where it gets religious. NFL stadiums are our modern cathedrals. Okay, they are. No, they are. In the ancient world, they would build something like the cathedral in Notre Dame, right? Or St. Peter's Basilica, for that matter. We don't do that anymore. What we build is NFL stadiums. That's our country. That's our religion. That's what goes on on Sunday, right? It's the center of our life, right? Which, by the way, can I just acknowledge, I'm the one who moved Mass to noon on Super Bowl Sunday, so this is dripping with a little bit of irony here that I'm preaching about this. However, how many of you would have honestly left the game in the fourth quarter to come to Mass at seven? And some of you would have been like, yeah, I would. And then most of you would have been like, no, I would have gone earlier, right? So, so there, all right? Here's where else is weird. A couple of years ago, if you can hang in there long enough, to the end of the Super Bowl, after the game is over, a couple of years ago, they started this new thing, and I hope they do it again today, and I hope you all see it. They process, and it is absolutely a religious procession, with the Lombardi Trophy, which is the championship trophy, the silver thing with the football. Remember that Tom Brady was chucking from boat to boat um, last year? That was hilarious, okay? Because it's just a stupid trophy. It's a football trophy. But they process with this thing. And so they have the cameraman walking in front as someone's carrying it with white gloves, right? So the cameraman's walking in front, getting a, getting a view like this. And this guy's walking, processing to the stage where they're going to present it. And, and people are literally like reaching out to touch it. Like, like it was Jesus, you know, who could heal if they just touched the tassel of his cloak, right? And it's like, that is so religious. So we are not a secular culture. We're a religious culture because the human person is religious. It's just that we have weird religions now. Way weirder 
than actual religion. And it's really strange. So once you see it, don't unsee it. And see it there is like, okay, we're worshiping right now. People reaching out to a silver trophy like it's, what, super meaningful. The thing is this. All of it for its self-importance isn't enough. So I'll tell you a quick story about a great player. Those of you who are athletes know the name Deion Sanders, uh, a.k.a. Primetime, right? He was in his heyday when I was in college, right? Um, he was a uh, two-sport two pro athlete. He played pro baseball and uh, pro football. He was shut down corner, just incredible. Punt, re punt returner, kickoff returner, just amazing, amazing athlete. Um, he was the only athlete who has ever played in the World Series and also in the Super Bowl. And he won two Super Bowls. 1995, we played for the 49ers, right? 49ers, you might recall, are the team that bounced the Green Bay Packers out of the playoffs, just unceremoniously dumped them right out of the playoffs. They didn't even win a game, even though they're the first seed in the NFC, you know, so like that team, right? That was in 1995. And then he won another Super Bowl in 1996. So he's at the pinnacle. He's one of the best athletes in the world. He's one of the most successful. And after he wins the Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys in 1996, he writes about this. He's in his hotel bathtub and he contemplates suicide. And then in 1997, he drove his car off a 40-foot cliff and tried to kill himself. Now, he survived and was actually almost unscathed. And he got down on his knees. He's like, I had to give my life to the Lord. He had five kids, right? And he's like, I gave my life to the Lord. And he's committed Christian. I'm sure he's not perfect. He's in the ministry for a while. Now he's coaching college football, trying to help young men be better, not just as football players, but better as men. And I like telling that story because all of this, this excess that you'll see and this false religiosity that you'll see today, it's not enough. The world isn't enough. Not for Deion Sanders, not for Cooper Cup, not for Aaron Donald or any of the studs you're going to see on the field today. And it's not enough for you or for me. So these readings are good. This first reading from Jeremiah Cursed is the one who trusts in human beings, who seeks his strength in flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a barren bush in the desert that enjoys no change of season, but stands in a lava waste, a salt and empty earth. Juxtapose with this. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose hope is the Lord. He is like a planted tree beside the waters that stretches out its roots to the stream. It fears not the heat when it comes, its leaves stay green. In the year of drought, it shows no distress, but still bears fruit. What a great juxtaposition. What do our roots stretch out to? The empty desert, a salt and empty earth? Or are we planted next to the living water of the Lord? 
where our roots stretch out so that we live the life of God. It's about our hearts. What claims our hearts? What claims your heart? Leave football behind. What claims your heart? And what brings you life? That's why Beatitudes are so important. We get Luke's version of the Beatitudes. And if you didn't, if you weren't challenged by them, you didn't listen. Blessed are you who are poor. You who are hungry. Blessed are you who are now weeping. Blessed when people hate you and exclude you and insult you and denounce your name as evil. Jesus says, blessed. And then on the other side, he says, woe to you who are rich and hungry and satisfied. And when everyone speaks well of you, if that doesn't challenge me and you, then we haven't listened. It's really interesting that Jesus says you're blessed. Why would those be paths to blessedness? And let me offer just this. We have to pray with them first because at first glance, they don't seem like blessedness. But they're this. All of them are paths of dependence, which, if we're honest, we don't like. All of them are also paths of weakness, which we definitely don't like. And all of them are paths that require trust. And we're not so suited to trusting especially in this day and age, especially when these false religions pull us away from the real and true God. But here's the thing. They're also all paths that Jesus walked. He was poor and hungry. He was excluded and rejected. He wept tomb of his friend Lazarus. It's where Jesus is on those paths, right? And that's the thing, because we're Christians, so we claim to follow Jesus. Like we actually, if we're Christians, we should want to be where he is. And he's on those paths. And he's not, very often, on those other paths of comfort and ease, that's the thing that we should pray with. If those things, the weakness, the dependency, the need to trust, if those become our points of reference, then how differently we look at the world and how often our points of reference are just the opposite. How do we know? How do we know we're doing well? When we're rich, when we're satisfied, when we're laughing, when we're well-respected, and Jesus says, be careful. Be careful because what could be happening is that your roots are no longer connected to the living water that comes from me, but could be actually in a desert, a spiritual desert, a salt and empty earth, cut off from life and sure to die. Just as those flowers look beautiful, but they're sure to die because they're cut off. They have no roots. It's the same in the spiritual life. And it's the same in our culture, by the way. 
That's why I don't feel bad about pointing out the excesses and the strange religiosity of Super Bowl Sunday because it's cut off from the true life that God wants for us. The Beatitudes, they're a path that gets us right close to Jesus. Last week's gospel was all about Jesus calling Peter to follow him. This week's gospel is about what it actually means to follow him. It's not going to be a path recognized by the world. That's why those of you who take it seriously won't be honored by the world. And that's just fine. That's so much better than having all the things of the world but being poor in what really matters. Jesus wants us to be free. He wants to, us to be free from the things of the world. Not in a way that we hate them, but in a way that we're not bound by them. Then we're free to follow him. We're free to go where he wants us to go. This week, after seeing everything in the Super Bowl, maybe turn your gaze a little bit more to poverty and weakness and limitations. Not just in the world at large, but maybe and even especially in your own life. Look at those things. Stare at them. Don't distract yourselves. Even if it's uncomfortable to look at those things, especially the ones in your own heart. Because what happens is this. If you look long enough, you'll find that those paths of weakness and poverty and limitations are the paths that Jesus walks to reach you and the paths that you can walk to be with him. And walking with him, you'll realize just how blessed you actually are.